Hello and welcome back to Tuesday Morning Brunch with a Sweet Sunrise podcast. I'm your host, Callie Lane, and if you're new, welcome to our library podcast where we discuss great reads and wellness tips. I just graduated with my English degree in December and created this little bookish community to share my thoughts on popular reads and hopefully inspire some others to pick up a book. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day. I know the last episode I did was released on Valentine's Day, and I hope you're all manifesting that wonderful spring energy because I know I am. I'm also really trying to take my own advice from last episode about embracing change, and let me tell you, it's hard. It's kind of ironic. I mean, I knew I went into that episode knowing that I was going to be faced with a lot of change. I just was kind of really hoping for the best, and it's still really hard. My mom's moved away last Friday, and it was really, really tough seeing them off. Dusty and I met them at Duncan on their way out of the state, and at the same time, I'm starting a new job and learning how to live with a 9-to-5 and scrambling to learn everything. So needless to say, it was a pretty rough weekend that weekend for me, but I am trying to take my own advice, like I said, and power through. And when I said last week that when change is on the horizon, you need to expect hard days, and I'm trying to just kind of accept that too, and I'm getting through it. And so that's why this episode is a little late. I had to take some time, listen to my body, take a couple days off running, and just feel some things out. I deal with a lot of anxiety, and I wasn't expecting my new job and my mom's moving away to affect me as much as it did, but it did. I mean, I really wasn't expecting to see my house and like for the last time and for it to like really hit me but it did and after as soon as she left as soon as they pulled out of the Duncan like I was crying she was crying the whole time but I didn't cry until she left and it was really hard (laughs) um I did have a really good weekend last weekend though I was hanging out with Dusty's parents in our hometown and I think that really helped a lot so even though some of my anxiety symptoms are coming back I'm working on staying relaxed and now I'm back and ready to talk about everything I also want to take a particular moment to talk about the tragedy that occurred at Michigan State University earlier this month. It is so weird to think about since my mom's just moved up there literally a couple days after the shooting happened and Victoria started her job at MSU just last week. It's just crazy to think that literally a couple weeks ago I was wearing my um, MSU sweatshirt and recording the podcast talking about how excited I was for them and that was before that even happened. And I was walking around in that student union just literally a couple weeks ago. It's absolutely horrific that someone could intentionally cause such a tragedy. And the fact that he had already been convicted of a felony, like, the fact that he was able to get a gun, have access to guns, is beyond me. And so my heart goes out to everyone involved, especially the victims and their families. But I know how strong the Spartan community is, how strong they've always been. And I hope that our country continues to demand change to our gun laws. In other news, I am in my third week at my new job as a legal assistant. I don't feel a need to say who I'm working for, but I do have my own big desk with a half cubicle kind of like design and all feels way too adult, like total imposter syndrome. I'm feeling a lot of imposter syndrome at my job. I bought some things to decorate it from home, like some pictures, and I bought a little uh, fake plant from Target because there are no windows and it gets kind of gloomy in there. But it doesn't feel real it's all way too adult like I definitely probably the youngest person there um it doesn't eh, whatever so my desk doesn't look as barren as it did like last week I'm glad to have some pictures to look at now 
Um, I also got, um, I brought a couple of things that my sorority gave me, like my little yellow rose from that award, and then they got me a bee squishmallow because our um, like symbol was a bee and a yellow rose. So that's nice. It brightens up the space a little bit. And like applying to jobs after I graduated college and everything, I knew it was going to be a lot of effort and a lot of learning, but you can only prepare yourself so much for that. Like just because you're expecting hard times doesn't make the actual hard times much easier. So I'm a bit stressed learning everything, especially the really complicated procedures and computer systems. I am not a technological person. Dusty will tell you, I can't do computers. It's really difficult. Um, but I know that this is like a temporary thing. Not only will I learn how to do things, but I'm also, I'm not gonna be at this job forever. We're gonna probably be moving to Orlando in the near future. It's a stepping stone and a larger plan for me. So if it's a little boring, if it's a little stressful, it's weird that it's both boring and stressful because sometimes we finish, me and the other legal assistant, we'll finish like all the work that the attorneys assigned us um, by like two o'clock and maybe one o'clock and nothing will come in for the rest of the day and we have to stay there till five. So doing some reading, reading a lot of news, but it's also stressful up until then because it's there's so much I have to figure out how to do like when those images come in. So that's okay. I know I'm learning a lot. I'm supporting myself financially, and that's huge. And I'm just starting my career, so it's a stepping stone and a larger plan. I know I can do it. I don't have that much else as far as life updates, but for now I'm really excited to talk about our pick of the week. I do consider myself a Stephen King fan, even though I haven't read too many of his books. <laughs> I was just talking to Dusty's mom. Um, he, uh, Stephen King actually lives in like our home, like right near our hometown in Sarasota. He has a house in Sarasota. I think he lives there most of the year. And she was like, she's a big Stephen King fan. And she said, can you and I just go like make a plan and like spy on his house? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I wouldn't actually do that, but it'd be funny. Um, I got through, I got part of the way through it, like at least a couple hundred pages, but that book is like probably a thousand pages long. And like, I just, I couldn't really get through it at all. But I did start a few others too that I didn't get through. Um, but particular, there were two that absolutely changed my life. I read all the way through, I read on writing my junior year of college, my junior year of high school. And I really felt like it taught me a lot about life and writing altogether. It was really cool to be able to read about his life and his inspirations, but it was also um, something like entirely else to hear his writing advice like it made me feel like it made me feel inspired on a different level because he is really a true genius and the year before that I read The Body and I literally sobbed more than once so let's get into it there's only going to be a slight spoiler alert for this episode I think because I really genuinely want people to read it on their own and like I said I first read The Body as a sophomore in high school and I was really going through it then. I was going to like two different new schools and I didn't have any friends. And I was in this book to film class in a school that I didn't stay at long. We read it as part of that class, but I read like way ahead. I didn't even, they didn't even actually give us like each of the book. It was like a printout like copy. And it was like just reading like on regular sheets of paper. That's how I read the book the first time. But I did eventually get my own copy. And I loved it from the start. It takes place in Maine during the summer of 1960, and obviously I grew up in a completely different time and place, literally Florida in the early 2000s, but the nostalgia is still incredibly strong. It's absolutely crazy how good 
King is at painting a picture. I had such a clear vision of every scene, every character in the story, and it really made me feel like I was a part of it. Like, the way he described Teddy and his family and Teddy's ears, like, the way he looked with his glasses, like, I just, I could see this kid, like, way before the, I ever saw the movie, because I read the book first, I do want to say that. Um, and people nag on King a lot for his, like, being too specific and dragging out descriptions, kind of like George R. R. Martin, and I know they're friends, and they both kind of get some hate for that. And it may be true for some of his books like It, but in this one, I loved everything about his descriptions. This story follows 12-year-old Gordy Lachance and his three friends as they embark on a very unique journey together. One of the main points King makes in writing this story is that friendships at this age are a bond unlike anything else, and you know this is true. For me, I remember having a set of two best friends when I was 12, and they were awesome. The three of us did literally everything together. We recorded ourselves doing dumb shit, we played the most ridiculous games, and our imaginations were literally unstoppable. But, you know, as is the way of things, we don't often keep in close contact with these same people forever. I talked to one of these girls over Snapchat once every so often, and I was really lucky enough that she came all the way from our hometown to Gainesville for one of our Halloween parties a couple years ago, and that made me so happy. I love her to death, but we separated in a way that we could never have imagined, like, 10 years ago. Like, 10 years ago, we could have never imagined that we wouldn't, like, be close, um, and the main character, Gordy, struggles to accept that as they start down, like, different paths in a new phase of school, that he's gonna go down a different path than his more troublemaker friends. It's emotional to think about because we've all been there. We all know that time where we started to drift apart from our best friends, but we still always remember, like, that unique bond that 12-year-olds make, and we share that, the bond that we shared with them. And King, like, writes in the last pages of the book, and it's said in the movie, too. I think he changes it a little bit in the movie. Um, but it's something like, I never had friends, like, I never again had friends, like, the ones I had when I was 12, like, does anyone? And no, you don't. But before I go any further and get into the plot, I want to do a little, um, my own version of the inside book sleeve summary. So here we go. Alright, Gordy Lachance and his three friends, Chris Chambers, Teddy Duchamp, and Vern Tessio, leave their treehouse hideout for a day to embark on a crazy mission. While sitting under his porch one morning, Vern overhears his older brother talking to his friends about seeing a dead body in the woods about 20 miles away. He said the body was that of Ray Bowers, a missing kid who was last seen on his way to pick some blueberries in the area. Fern runs to tell his friends, and when they finally let him talk, he speaks the famous line, you guys want to see a dead body? The friends agree to make the 20-mile journey together to get a glimpse of the body to call the police once they find it. As 12-year-olds with no car, they create a camping cover story for all their parents, and they set out on a very long walk that would take them two days, so they had to spend a night in the woods. Along the way, they learn more about each other, enjoy childhood bliss, and Gordy thinks privately about his friends' traumas. They open up to one another in ways that only best friends do. After a number of wild challenges, they reach the body. Is it everything they expected it to be? And will a gang of older boys ruin their plan? Get yourself a copy to find out. Without a doubt, the best thing about this book is the friendship and the empathy the main characters share with one another, particularly Gordy and Chris. That bond is crazy. Like, they're all really good friends, but you can tell that Chris is his best friend. And Gordy's older brother passed away, and his parents, like, hardly acknowledge his existence. Chris's alcoholic father abuses him, 
Teddy's father fought in World War II and suffered from such bad PTSD that he burned both of his son's ears against a hot stove. And Vern gets bullied. He's the butt of every joke, literally every joke, even, even with those friends, honestly. But, you know, boys are often taught to be strong, proud, and not to cry, especially in the 60s, especially in the 60s. Society wanted boys to act like they didn't care about anything. That was what was considered cool. King defies these expectations with this novella. He really does. Gordy and his friends experience raw emotion on their adventure, and while they still try to play it off as nothing, as readers we can feel the emotions coming off the page, especially as you're reading it as an adult. And I feel like once I'm even older than I am now, I know I'm only 22, but if I go back and read this book when I'm like 45 or 50, I think it's going to like hit me 10 times harder because you're so separated from all those feelings, all those friendships, all those, you know, what being a 12-year-old kid is like, like school and, you know, the pressure and everything. You don't know what you're going to be and it's scary. So, I mean, I, I would definitely like read it again when I was older. Gordy in particular is a really relatable character and I think especially for me. Um, most of us grow up with some troubled friends that make some pretty bad decisions and ended up on a very different path in life. Um, Gordy's a quiet kid that feels invisible a lot, but accepted by his friends, which makes separating from them even harder. I think a lot of people can relate to being quiet, awkward as a kid, and that had some much louder friends. I know that was me. I was so much less social than I am now, so it's really easy to remember what that felt like and relate to Gordy. And again, most people would be would be able to because so many kids are introverted. And now I want to shift a little bit and talk about the actual mission they set out on. These kids walked 20 miles to find a dead body at 12 years old. Let me say that again. These kids walked 20 miles to find a dead body at 12 years old. The dead body of a kid. Literally a kid. And when you're that young, you think of scary things as cool or as exciting. You don't want to admit that you're actually scared because then you're a wuss. Uh, and the really scary stuff can often go over kids' heads. And these four are not expecting to be horrified and sick when they actually do find Ray Bowers. But they come to reality even before they find him. As they camp out overnight, they're like cooking the meat that they bought at the store and they're drinking their Cokes. I think they even smoke a cigarette. Um, darkness really starts to set in and sink in. After all, these are literally kids. They want to act brave, but they aren't immune to fear. Things start to get real for them. And so their fear is relatable. Literally, who would want to spend a night in a dark woods when they know a kid's dead body is out there somewhere? It's one of those things that's cool and adventurous in the daylight, but once the sun sets, it's terrifying. So the childhood fear of the dark and the unknown is nostalgic in its own right, too. Everyone has been there. But as a reader, I really appreciated that during the night, they began to kind of better understand the scope of what they were doing, and that Ray Bowers was a human kid, not just something scary and cool to look at. It's, and I'm glad that they kind of came to this realization before they actually saw him. It just speaks more to their character, I think. And you know what kids are capable of. And that has a lot to do with what I want to talk about in the second part of this episode. True crime is so huge now. Not back then, but so huge now. And while Ray Bowers is a fictional character whose death was accidental, it wasn't a murder, the body presents death in a really realistic way. But before I get into my note on true crime, let me give you my overall rating of the body. This book features the most 
real feeling friendships out of everything, anything I've ever read. And for that, it deserves a very high rating in my book. It made me so emotional that it can only be a 10 out of 10. Every time I read it, I remember what it was like to be 12. And like I said, that is going to pack so much more of a punch when I go back and read it when I'm 50. You will not regret buying this book or watching the movie. Everyone loves this movie, God. It's not the same title, which confuses a lot of people. A lot of people don't even know that it was a novella first. You can get a copy of it by itself, which I really like. I really like my copy of it. But the first copy I ever had of it was in a short story novella um, collection. It's called Different Seasons, and they're I think they're all by Stephen King. And yeah, Different Seasons. But I ended up like hunting down my own copy. It wasn't like super easy to find of it just by itself. But I would I would recommend getting that. But Stand by Me, you know, our parents' generation was obsessed with that story like it was probably one of their staples and it's funny that a lot of them don't even know that it was a book first and I think the book is actually better I definitely recommend watching the movie don't get me wrong I just have some issues with the changes they made in the film I'm gonna let you decide for yourself which one you think is better and I'm not gonna tell you exactly what they changed but personally I think the book wins in this case I guess books when books get turned into movies a lot of things are lost in translation but I felt like there were some unnecessary changes in this one like I didn't feel that they needed to switch the things they switched but if you really liked this book you've already read it and you're looking for something similar like a very nostalgic read I would recommend something like Where the Red Fern Grows by Wilson Rawls I know it's like mostly a kid's book, but it has that same period piece yet nostalgic vibe, and it's also really emotional. You will cry. But of course, if you're looking for something else and feeling brave, you might want to check out some more Stephen King books. There are literally like 65 of them. So I am highly, highly, highly recommending that you read The Body. The fact that I am rating two books in a row, 10 out of 10, should tell you that. I'm a pretty tough critic. I would still consider a 5 or a 6 rating pretty good in my book, so a 10 for me really means something. Don't expect to give out a lot of 10s doing this book club podcast, I really don't. This book is a coming of age story and it's about accepting your emotions and who you are and you should definitely go get yourself a copy. Now I'm going to move on to my note on true crime. I really wanted to talk a bit about this because there's been so much content created about Idaho murders and the Gabby Petito case. They're very different cases, but the way social media reacted to both was similar in both cases. True crime sleuths on TikTok and Instagram may think that they're making innocent videos telling the world their theories, but it's just not that simple. I know social media really ended up helping in the Gabby Petito case, and that's great, but I think it gave a green light to people that are just looking for followers. Like, it really opened the door for people to just think they can go online and say whatever they want about a high-profile case. Like, now in high-profile cases, you'll just see people throwing wild accusations at strangers on TikTok, and even... Like, I I see a lot of videos. They even go as far to criticize the victims. And that just really pisses me off, to be honest. I'm just looking for a place to rant about this as a criminology major and as a person that, you know, feels like we lost a ton of empathy. It's, and really a lot of efforts are made. This is the 
This is the doozy. A lot of efforts are made by the entertainment industry to monopolize on the true crime phenomenon. Let's think about the Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer productions. They aren't documentaries. They're dramatizations and were made to make money. Not only do they glamorize serial killers, but they cast notorious heartthrobs to play each murderer. People have been obsessed with Zac Efron for decades and Evan Peters for years. It's, it is so inappropriate that they were cast in these productions. I understand that Ted Bundy was supposed to be an attractive guy, and I think Zac Efron is talented, but one, I don't think the movie should have been made. It's drawing attention to a man that doesn't need to be remembered. I think his victims should be remembered a lot more. Yes, maybe students should study him and study the case, but to make a movie out of it for monetary purposes just doesn't seem right. It, you know, it can seem innocent on the surface, I guess, and I'm not saying that you're a horrible person if you watched these, but that's exactly what they were designed for. If we just sit back and ask, though, what is the point of emphasizing the fascination that already exists about these people, it's disturbing to think about the possibilities. Overall, these companies are making money by dramatizing tragedies, literal tragedies. So when on social media, I think it's important to remember that it's not a game. It's not find the most suspicious looking person in security footage. It's just wrong. There has to be some form of ethics in place because these here are human lives that were lost. And I really feel like the world has lost some empathy. This isn't a horror movie, this is real. And before you go around criticizing the victims or the surviving roommates in the Idaho case, just really think about some of the things that happened to them. They just released that in Zana's autopsy, it was said that her fingers were nearly severed from trying to defend herself by grabbing the attacker's knife. And that is nothing but heartbreaking. And I don't want to seem like I'm up on some kind of high horse because I love true crime. I was a criminology major and I watch ABC 2020 all the time. But there is a line of respect with stuff like this. It's fine to ask questions and to be interested and curious. That's totally fine. But it's not okay to accuse random people through the internet because you think they're suspicious and you have a hunch. And it's also never okay to disrespect and slander the victims. I posted a TikTok about this the other day, and like I said there, I studied crime for four years, and I would still never assume that I know better than the investigators working a case. Yes, there are bad apples in investigations, and a lot of police officers are biased, but especially in high-profile cases like these, the professionals are doing their best. Trust me. After everything that came out about how the police had been tracking and watching Brian Koberger, I was really impressed with their efforts. They had that man tracked across the country and they were able to match his DNA to the knife sheath based on what his dad spit from their trash. So just because law enforcement doesn't realize, doesn't release everything right away doesn't mean that they're not working on the case or have any leads. Most of the time when they withhold information, there's a reason. And now we know that was the case with the Moscow police. And my heart breaks in particular for their surviving roommates in this case. They have been absolutely slandered across the internet. I can't imagine what they are dealing with right now. There's so much hate and suspicion, all because they didn't call the police right away. And really, there are plenty of reasons someone might not. 
first, this was a party house, and hearing noise and even seeing a man dressed weirdly probably wasn't cause for much alarm. Sure, she locked her bedroom door for safety, probably because she figured one of her roommates had a guy over or someone was playing a prank she didn't want to be involved in. If one of my roommates a couple years ago had a strange guy over, I'd probably lock my bedroom door too. Also, Dusty and I talked about this a lot, this all happened on a Saturday night. It was a game day. Everyone was partying and drinking, and so the roommates were probably all tired and somewhat some level of intoxicated. There's no way of knowing, and there's no way that they could have of knowing for sure that they were, but there's absolutely no way that they could have known what was going on in the other rooms of the house. Nothing triggered a fight or flight response to them. It was like an average weekend night. The world needs to leave them alone. Imagine trying to grieve your best friends while also dealing with the trauma of being in the house when it happened, and then there are these people on TikTok going on about how you should have done better. It's insane. Moral of the story is, when you're invested in true crime, remember where that line of respect is. Real people were affected and real people died. And in some settings, like documentary shows and social media, I know that can sometimes be easy to forget. But we need to do better and show much more empathy than what I'm seeing now. Just like in The Body, when they actually see Ray Bowers up close, they realize that he was just a kid, a human life that was ended. And even though we can't always see the victims up close, it's important to remember that. Alright, sorry that was a little heavy. I'm going to end this episode off there. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I really hope that at least one person will go out and get themselves a copy of The Body. You can get it on Amazon. It's not expensive, and I promise you that it is worth it. As always, there is a link in the show notes where you can share your thoughts on the pick of the week, and you can follow along with the pod on Instagram at a sweet sunrise underscore pod, and myself on TikTok at Callie X Dane. I hope you all are enjoying your reads, and I will see you next time. <laughs>